Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. You know, I didn't expect this team to hit baseball, but this is a little worse than I thought it would be. I mean, <laughs> injuries have certainly played a role, but but as I watch Kai Tom and Eric Gonzalez continue to get at bats, I can't help but wonder if maybe it's time to start using some of the AAA guys again, like Alfred, Fowler, Stokes, start cycling through them. And I mean, at some point, even if it's likely to be just as bad, don't you just want to see some new names and faces? I mean, at least give us something to look at that's different than what we've seen. Ugh. Good evening. Welcome back to the Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. Uh, well on my way to being completely checked out mentally to the beach. And uh, because I'm half not here, I've pulled in three of my favorite people to help me discuss the team this week. And I'd normally introduce them all one by one, but you know all these folks. So we're just going to quickly say hello to Graves, Jim Stam, and Craig Toth. They're all back with us, and they'll give you their spiel at the end on how to get a hold of them. But let's uh, let's go ahead and get started, if that's okay with all of you, right? <laughs> um, let's do it. First up in. Is, is the draft. I mean, we talked about the draft a little bit in the last uh, – in the last show, but I, I'm narrowing down the top of my board. I, I mean, I'm down to Meyer and Lighter at this point. And I mean, at this stage of the game, I think it's fair to have two or three for the most part in your stack. I, I think we're about three weeks out. I don't see much changing anymore. And, and I'm ready to just start talking about it. The number one overall pick is really cool, but that's not really the whole story this year. I mean, maybe we should almost be more excited about having four of the top 72 this season you know that it's actually kind of a almost more fun to think about injecting this system with four top 72 talents all all like that craig i'll start with you here um help me put this in perspective a little bit four out of the top 72 should assure some good players right i mean it should um if if the choices are made correctly uh we saw uh, last year with Ben Charrington, the way that he operated uh, with with around like the same amount, he was getting kudos uh, throughout the draft. I mean, not only with Nick Gonzalez, you know, with the hitting, uh, Jared Jones, uh, Nick Garcia uh, getting picked there. A lot of people were saying some of these guys were first round talents and we're finding them in, you know, the third and fourth round. So, I can't really, uh, I guess it would be, I, I can't really downplay it because I, I do have faith in Ben that he's always been able to draft well and it, it should inject talent. And Gary, we were talking about it today as, as to how it would inject the talent because we're not exactly sure 
with the two lower levels being gone, exactly where these players uh, will be placed. So that's where I think sometimes fans uh, may be like, okay, we drafted this guy. Where is he? Uh, It's a process. It's a process, man. And I know Graves, you know, we've talked about the draft before and I think, you know, we all understand like when this decision needs made. So we, we kind of tread lightly on this one, but one of the big common themes that people keep bringing up is, is the whole slotting value thing and perhaps taking a lesser talent one, one um, to try to save some money. And I guess in some ways that makes some sense because they have four of the top 72. So there might be some slotting issues in there. I personally don't think they're going to play with this pick all that much. Where's your head on that? I I, I tend to agree. I think uh, they've got it narrowed narrowed down to to two, maybe three guys, and uh, they're not they're they're not going to mess around um, a whole lot. Um, I think they have a pretty good idea of who they're taking, and uh, it's uh, just going to be a, a matter of waiting till that day and and uh, getting the uh, picking who uh, picking who they want. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's where I'm at, too. And, and Jim, I'll go to you on this one. It seems to me that the Pirates can really pick whoever they want. And that should be very obvious when they're picking 1-1, right? But nothing else is going to get involved in that decision, right? No, no. you you brought it up the other day on Twitter, and it, it, immediately what I thought was this this is not a time to get cute at the top of a draft. Um, I think... I think uh, you're making a mistake, and by by you, I'm saying people making the mistake of thinking that uh, eventually they're just going to hone in on one guy and and like that guy more than the other one or two or three guys that they're looking at. Right. And I think once you get to that point, as a as a GM, and you trust what you're doing, you trust you know you trust your scouting department, you don't. Uh, let something as and I don't want to I don't want to say it's minor because it's not but when you're talking about you know slot but you're gonna you're gonna stick with who you have conviction with at that point and uh, worry about that when the time comes later on I just feel that it's an interesting concept I can see why it might play a part for some teams at some point I don't see that with this pick this selection Right. And I mean, I think I, I also brought up on Twitter, this might be something that a GM maybe gets once in their career. You know, you, you get that, that number one overall pick maybe once if, if you've done your job well, that is, you know, um, Charrington could end up getting it twice, but I think he's got some stiff competition to get there. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, I'm in the middle of watching the Orioles get their brains beaten in by the, by the Indians right now. So, I mean, who knows? And the danger noodles might be the worst team in the league. We'll see. Uh, when we start talking about the draft though, one of the things that, that I think is interesting with the, with the CBE com- CBA coming up this, this off season, we may not get a cap. You know, I think that's a stretch to think that we're going to get a cap coming out of this, no matter how much they hate each other and no matter how good it would be for baseball. But there are some changes that we might be able to get with the draft system that could make it easier on some teams like the Pirates. And I know Major League Baseball 
initially said that you couldn't trade draft picks in an effort to save teams from themselves. But what if Major League Baseball would allow teams to trade picks? Don't you think there would be a little bit of a benefit for teams that have to operate like the Pirates, where you could trade a Starling Marte for a number one and a number two? You know, Craig, what do you, what do you think about something like that? Is is that something Major League Baseball should look into for the CBA? Or do you think anybody would really get behind that or against it? Um, I think it's something that I don't see. I guess it would. there's not a problem with it. I don't see the teams would abuse it or that it's a way for them to protect them from themselves. As you said, and as I've heard like a million times, it's something that you know, a team could either trade for a prospect within a, in a spot. It, it wouldn't even have to be trading draft picks. It could be trading, you know, say this year, you know, Texas really wants uh, Jordan Lawler or whoever it would be. And they want to make that happen. And they're concerned that the Pirates are going to pick them. It kind of would give a lesser team, quote unquote, a lesser team like the Pirates, a little bit of, I guess it'd be more solid ground to stand on to say, hey, we want, yeah, we'll drop back, but we also want, you know, maybe if they had a competitive balance pick or if they had, like I said, a prospect that they really wanted. I believe that we're beyond the point of uh, GMs operating. In, in goofy ways, I'll say. I think that a lot of the GMs that are around here now are, are smart enough to realize that they could use these picks in a way to make the team better and not, you know, I don't know. I don't see anybody, like, doing something as silly as, like, dropping out of the first round with, like, a top pick. I think that's where people would say, oh, they'd be protecting them from themselves. I think that it would maybe drop back a little bit or, you know, I hate, I mean, go with like the, the Patriots always did in the NFL is if you're at the end, what's the difference between, you know, the 31st or the 30th best guy and, you know, a couple, you know, 60 best guys. So there's an inherent flaw in that because if you get to the 30th pick, you've had a pretty damn good season, right? So let's say like Pirates, we know we're going into a rebuild last year, right? There's nobody really exciting where they're going to pick. They could have traded. I know we got Nick Gonzalez, but let's just put that out of our heads and and say, did we really uh, get a major quality player at number seven? Or could we have traded back to maybe 15 and picked up another comp pick? I think things like that would give rebuilding teams an option to, to hit the ground running a lot faster. You know, you could be looking at trading Adam Frazier right now for a 2022 number one pick or a number two. And then, you know, every year, instead of just relying on your own ineptitude to get good picks, Jim, you're looking at stacking picks. You could inject that talent directly into your veins you're not taking somebody else's cast off prospects you're picking your own yeah you know i think look i'm not i'm not going to expect any type of salary cap here coming in anyway so 
if we're talking about just simply giving teams more options and more flexibility in ways to go about acquiring talent, doing it in ways that uh, weren't previously available. I, I mean, I, I it, to me, th- that's nothing but a good sign and a good thing for teams like the Pirates, especially right now, obviously. Uh, maybe, maybe at some point that isn't as critical. But right now, I mean, we're talking we need quantity and we need quality. Right. I mean, so we're talking both ends of the spectrum here. And, you know, this, this idea, which I think is completely antiquated at this point, that baseball needs to protect teams from themselves. Well, baseball's got its own problems. So what, they, they need to worry about <laughs> some other things first. Uh, teams will figure this out. And you know what? If teams don't figure it out, that's on them. And uh, I, I, I'm fine with that. I mean, uh, let, let's give teams that probably, you know, aren't as um, free to spend. And that's a whole nother can of worms there. But, you know, where smaller market teams, teams that don't have as big of payrolls, right. teams that are peren- perennially struggling, let's inject something into it. And let's also talk about it's going to help even with the marketing of the game. And uh, the excitement from the draft. And I mean, that, that, that alone is something that Major League Baseball should be considering. Um, just from the standpoint of, I mean, I don't know about you, but there are times whenever the draft is on or it's going to be on. And it has slipped my mind because it's just not on the level of you know, NBA draft, NFL draft. So, I mean, there's so many, there's so many positives. I, I, I'm all for it. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think I'd love a cap, but I'm going to shoot for a victory that I can get. And I think that changes to the draft is a victory I can get because Graves, one of the hot buttons that you always bring up in the draft. And I don't mean just you, I mean, all of us nerds that actually care about it is you got to stack prospects, right? That's the only way a team like the Pirates can actually pull together a winning team. They've got to stack prospects. Well, what better way than amassing a ton of draft picks, not unlike the Miami Dolphins have done, and just load up? Absolutely. Yeah, it creates a false floor because everything's going to tumble all at the same time, but... It's just another tool in toolbox, a different way that a small market team can survive. I mean, what do you think about all this? No, I, I've uh, enjoyed what all of you are, guys are saying. It's, uh, yeah, it really changes how teams are going to to build, how what their strategy is going to be going going in, um, and it, it definitely softens. Um, the com- competitive balance issues. So I think it, it is a smart step to do something like this because, yeah, if, if um, I go back to thinking uh, in 2016 and, and the, the Cubs traded, traded away Claybor uh, uh, Torres and, and some of the other guys to bring in Aroldis Chapman. Well, right. you know, they, uh, they kind of had to, you know, they gave up a lot to get him. And I think if it starts with uh, building the team and growing or growing the growing baseball and, and, and growing the sport and giving the kids an incentive also 
if, you know, when it comes to, do I want to play football for my career or baseball for my career? Let's give them a little bit more incentive to choose baseball because they're not going to be sitting down, you know, in the minor leagues for years and years. So let's, you know, let's, let's grow the game and, and let's make some changes. And, um, and it is setting up to, to help a team like Pittsburgh. All right. So, I mean, cool idea. Let me throw this out to everybody because I'm sure there's going to be some people that'll say, uh, well, if you could trade the pick, then nobody would want to come to Pittsburgh. So you're going to have to, they'll, they'll force you to trade it to someone else. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's going to come. Somebody's going to say something like that. Right. But how often have we seen it in the NFL? Really? We've seen it with Eli Manning. That's it. I mean, and it's been what, 20 some years now. You don't see it in the NHL. I mean, it, it really just doesn't happen. So, I, I mean, the Pirates are bad. But, again, I'm watching Baltimore. So, right now, they seem pretty good. I'm just <laughs> – Everybody saw Baltimore's play with the uh, Indians. If you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. It was one of the, the goofiest things I've ever seen. And everybody was just laughing, but it doesn't get the same publicity – if, it, no. if the Pirates did that, that would be viral at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that was exactly my first thought as well. It's that like, said, okay, we're not, that said we're not in Baltimore. We don't know what's going on there. I mean, to be honest, yeah. I, I have friends that are, but I haven't checked in with them to see, like, how that took off or if people are running around saying sell the team. I'm sure they are. But, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they were saying that before. So. Yeah. I mean, I think that covers the draft as far as what I want to talk about this week. Next up, we're going to talk a little bit about the 40 man. And thank God I have Graves and Craig here because I'm going to need the help. Let's take a quick break. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. back and uh we all know the pirates have a host of guys that need to be protected from the roll five draft next season and i guess i shouldn't assume everybody's level of understanding of this stuff so how do you protect people from the roll five well you have to put them on the 40 man and there's all kinds of rules behind it as to why you would put them on the 40 man when were they drafted how old were they when they were drafted Let's just skip all of that nonsense role stuff for right now. And let's just go right to people that have already thought about this stuff <laughs> in form of uh, 
Graves and Craig, but I'm going to start with Graves. Who needs added to the 40 man next year to make sure they don't get snapped up in the roll five? I would say the top of my list is probably Santiago Flores at, at, at the moment. He's uh, making some great progress, um, cutting down on his walks, improving his strikeouts. And uh, I think he's a, he's, Definitely uh, on on the list of uh, somebody that needs to be protected. I think his uh, improvements would uh, definitely uh, catch the eyes of uh, some other GMs and some other teams that they uh, might want to snatch him from us. Okay, so he's kind of like your, um, we need to think about this guy. There's obvious guys too, like Travis Swaggerty, right? Braden Ogle. Right. Um, Who else? Uh, Mason Martin comes to mind craig who, who else are you mind, thinking yeah. about well the thing i thought about first of all with this was when Sherrington was making the trades that he was making I'm, I'm pretty sure he wasn't looking at you know how all these people would would stack up against each other or when they would need to be protected when they would reach arbitration all this kind of different stuff so i go down here Laover Pagero needs to be protected i <laughs> there's Omar Cruz would be a guy that he acquired that I think that would need to be protected. Um, you, you go down uh, even further, Eddie Yeen, uh, who we got in from Washington um, would need to be protected. Uh, Kanan Smith and Jigba, who he also acquired is somebody that's up for protection on top of the guys that you mentioned, you know, with, with the Santiago Flores, a guy that I've, I've been really high on. Uh, the Mason Martins of the world. And then you look at guys who he has, hasn't been protected previously, uh, like a Lolo Sanchez who has, has been performing fairly well this year. Right. And that's just like mentioning a few guys. I go down through here um, in the list that I have, and I just see December, 2021 all over the place. So there's at least in my mind, Oh, and one I didn't even, Tanash Thomas needs to be oh, protected. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's absolutely insane, the number of guys. Now, we know that not all these guys um, will be, you know, selected. Uh, in, in the Rule 5, I think this past year, there was about 18 players selected in all of Major League Baseball. So it's not right. like everybody needs to be protected, but – I got at least like a probably a solid five that you don't want to see go anywhere. And especially guys that are, you know, that are in double a right now that could be in triple a by the end of the year that you're not saying are going to be the answer, but, but you don't want them to be someone else's answer. right? Yeah. 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 So Jim, like, because this is how you and I can participate in this conversation best. I think that you know it's pretty common knowledge that NL is going to adopt the the DH next year right so i right. think that opens the door for about 16 more teams to be interested in picking up a roll 5 player <laughs> because there's a real place to hide a position player if you wanted somebody like say the pirates decided ah we're safe nobody's going to come knocking for mason martin we're going to be all right I don't think they're going to do that, but let's say they just decide out. Oh, let's, let's let it ride. 
couldn't you see somebody in the NL just being like, hey, we've got a DH. This kid can hit. I don't care what else he does. Like, we'll stick him in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, first things first, I do want to say, you know, Craig, what Craig is bringing up is a good problem to have. Um, you know, there there was a point in time where um, this would not have been a subject of consternation with the Pirates as much as it is right now. So it is a good indication that at least in the initial stages here, and, and you know, I, I do think that that's where they're still at, that we are um, at least seeing things trending in the right direction from a talent standpoint within the organization. So, um, and yeah, you know, back to what you're saying, Gary. Yeah, I, it's funny until you said that I hadn't even really thought of that aspect of it, which I mean, my God, can you imagine being a GM these days in all the aspects? No. And I, I, I mean, you're talking about. I, and we I, want to make did, it worse and let them trade draft picks. Yeah, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it's just unbelievable the um, the amount of knowledge and intelligence, and I'm sure um, staff you have to have around you. Well, no wonder we failed. Play. Where were you four years ago to tell them that they needed skill <laughs> and knowledge? <laughs> you know, it's so it's just it's to me it's incredible because you, you're talking about things that, I mean, this is this is like chess. You are you are planning moves, you know, 10 steps ahead and um, all the factors involved. So yeah, that was one right there that I hadn't even thought of. So um, this is one of those years where, you know, we look at a guy like Cole Tucker, for instance, right. And, and you, you know, you'll hear people say, well, he just hasn't had a chance. I'm sorry. This year is his chance. There's a very, 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 good opportunity he does not get a 40-man spot if he has not proven his worth by the end of this year I mean that's how real this is that's how very congested the 40-man spots are going to be right and and you've got to protect guys as young as Lolo Sanchez yeah you know that that's that's crazy to have to protect guys that far away and it's interesting too like um uh, obviously, we kind of know the topics we're going to be talking about, but um, I went back and I looked at Sherrington's first um, foray into uh, the, you know, protecting guys for the 40-man roster, and you, you look at it, and it, it's pretty interesting. I mean, you've got, you've got Cabrian Hayes, no-brainer. O'Neal Cruz, even at that time, was a no-brainer. I mean, you would never, ever leave a guy like that. Uh, as as raw as he was unprotected but then will craig protected yeah. uh cody ponce and blake and blake Sutherland. so you know you're talking about such a wide spectrum here of guys um but you can see just how much that has changed and the names we're talking about now till even then and that was just two years ago so right. it's pretty interesting it really is. I mean, and Craig, any surprises you see coming up? Like I was talking about Cole Tucker. That doesn't surprise us. I'm sure there's a few O faces out there, but what are you thinking? Any Anybody that we are not thinking of like that that could come off the list? Um, I would probably say a couple guys, and, and one of them that, that I've had 
you know, I've been fairly high on it at different points in times might be a guy like a Nick Mears, okay. uh, a Cody Ponce, a guy who was protected before a guy that I, I always like Cody Ponce as, you know, that fill in six starter, the guy for the double header. I think that he actually could be, you know, a good, even bullpen guy or long, you know, long arm at some point in time. But if, if you're choosing between, you know, protecting Cody Ponce or like, like Graves was saying, a, a Santiago Flores, another guy who's injured right now that would need to be protected would be like Cody Bolton. So who are you protecting yeah. at that point in time? So to me, it's like I said, Jim saying it, it is a good problem to have. And I don't think any, every one of these guys would be selected, but it also just shows when I look at like triple a Indianapolis, there's not too many guys that I would probably keep right on this, this 40 man. Mm-hmm. And all of us is hopefully going to get his shot here. And you know that I've been it'll yeah, right, right. break it'll break my son's heart if Olive is not on the Pirates anymore. <laughs> but I uh, and I've been you know a guy that I've really liked him, but I'd like to see him get up here and try to prove himself because maybe get a little bit of time and we could say, hey, maybe this isn't a guy. Yeah, that, and I that think needs that's to be protected. I think that that kind of goes back to my opening statement on the show today. Um, that's part of why I start panicking about, hey we got to start checking guys off the list here because if you don't see what all of it is this year, you're going to make that 40 man decision having never seen that. And before you know it, he's just another one of those guys that's a little too old to be a triple a player, a little too old to be a prospect. You know, uh, he's never really done anything. Yeah. Right. You never let him, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> there comes a point where, you're, you're forcing your, your hand on decisions without having really taken a look yet. I'm glad that Will Craig got that extended look this year. I really am. Um, not because, you know, he failed and I was right or anything, or it's, it's not because of that. It's because now you don't have that lingering question in the back of your head, like, oh, maybe we should hold on to Will Craig. Oh, maybe he would be a good DH. Oh, maybe. No. I mean, we saw now, you know, <laughs> he's not and and, and yeah, that's a you, shame you, it's a bad pick though you just move on you, that's just it you you put some you put some time money and investment into these guys and then to never fully fully see it through even for even for a month you know at the major league level um to me it, it's just you know it's one of those things that i'm sure it can't be avoided at times but the pirates are not in that situation right now so it doesn't have to be avoided and in yeah. fact, it, sh- it should be it should be chased right now as far as trying to get get a look at some of those guys. Right. And, uh, you know, Graves, do you think it's fair to say we've we've taken enough of a look at Kai Tom that we can chop him off the list and move on? Because Absolutely. Well, I, I would he's agree. taking up a 40 man spot. We know we're going to have to do something. So what are we doing? Yeah. I mean, you, you brought in Anthony Alford. You bothered to keep him after he cleared waivers. Let's get him back up here. Give him a real show. At least let him have as many at bats as you gave Kai Tom. Exactly. See what he exactly. does. Yeah, I mean it. It goes back to what you said. We, we've got to start answering some questions and making some decisions about, you know, who's gonna, who's who we're gonna keep, who's not gonna stay. Um, 
uh, Kai Tom, yeah, two weeks ago, I was ready for him to be gone. Um, <laughs> Alfred, Alfred has started to heat up um, down there at AAA. Yeah, get him back up here. You know, um, if he comes up and, and doesn't produce, then hopefully Jared Oliva is going to be right behind in, yep. in, you know, maybe a month. Maybe and, you even and, burn and, through and, Dustin Fowler first. Who cares? It, it, exactly. It, 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 you know, those guys, they don't matter in the long scheme. We, but we've, you know, let's, get, you know, like you said, we've kept them. We've had them in AAA. You know, their depth piece is great. But, uh, yeah, we've got to we've got to make room for uh, some of these other guys to, to move up. And, and even, even back to the Rule 5, Osvaldo Beto is a name to watch. Christopher Melendez. Yeah. I mean, I think Beto, he, he kind of, he, he's a late bloomer, you know, like we all see in the ad with, with the, with Sam Howard, you know, he was a late bloomer. So, uh, you know, I think, and um, so I think he's a, he's a name to keep an eye on too, but. Yeah, unfortunately, but yeah, that's why we have Sam Howard because late bloomers don't often survive that. Ex- exactly. That right. Exactly. So I, I, it is, it is time to make decisions and, and to, to see, uh, see what we've got because we've got to uh, we've got a clear room for, for some guys i mean and i think it's apropos that we had basically talking about them needing to make decisions because we're going to talk about the king of all decision makers next we're getting into Derek shelton and um i'm not saying we're going to be unfair but i'm not exactly gonna wear kid gloves either so let's take a quick break Told, I can't judge Derek Shelton too harshly because it's just not fair. Um, it'd be like asking Jim to build his deck without a drill and hammer, right? It's just not fair to ask to ask him to manage in, in a certain way. But I'm sorry, I'm seeing direct contradiction from his own words and expectations when compared to his actions. I don't see him doing things that he's directly saying he wants to see. And I mean, Jim, you're a fair guy on stuff like this. I mean, you still have Capel's back, but but when it comes to Shelton, where's the line for what's fair to criticize? Man. um, You know, I, I do listen. I tend I tend to come down um, a little bit more on the side of uh, with him that it is, it's, it's a little tough to sit there and um, look at what the pirates are doing and what he is saying a lot of times. And then he goes out and does something different as far as how he's managing the pitching staff, um, how long he's letting guys go go in games as opposed to what he's saying or given the reasoning that he's been giving that sometimes is quite honestly nonsensical. Um, I, I guess those are, those are, those are issues, but it's, it, to me, it pales in comparison to the bigger issue, which is they, they just don't have enough talent. And right now those, 
decisions and issues and uh, whatever they're doing as far as organizationally and philosophy wise, it, it, it's not that important right now. And I, I don't mean to minimize it and I'm not defending Derek Shelton. I, I think people on Twitter, they, they, they think that I'm defending him, that I like Derek Shelton. I don't not like Derek Shelton and I don't like Derek Shelton. I don't know yet. I, I just, I, until, until he gets some semblance of a major league roster and I want to see that, and I want to see that paired up with the decision-making he makes at that time and see how those two things come together. I just, for right now, I, I, I hesitate just because they're a bad baseball team. See, Jim, not, though, we have, a he's whole not segment, helping. we have a whole segment to do, though, so we have to keep talking about it. Right. <laughs> he's not helping. He's not helping himself, for sure. But what I will say is big picture. Um, I think we need to get into even next year, get a little more critical on that end, but I'm just, I'm, I'm a little hands off simply because I don't think he can be fairly judged right now. I, and I, I hear what you're saying there and I, I agree. See, even there, when I'm talking to you, your mind automatically goes to let's form a final decision on whether this is the guy or not. I'm not there. I basically want to critique things as they come. So when I see a contradictory statement, like I want more length out of my pitchers, but then I watch you pull the guy in the fourth inning when he's got 60 pitches and he's doing okay, that doesn't jive to me. And I feel like it's fair to ask a question, like basically what are you trying to do there? If I take my kid into kindergarten and meet the teacher and I see she's got the alphabet written up on the chalkboard and she's missed the letter B, I might have a question. Get what I mean? I don't need to sure. sit there and listen to her teach before I'm deciding, hey, that's a little weird. So, Craig, I mean, you, you get this all the time, too. You ask questions because questions are how we learn, right? So what, what kind of things is he doing that, that to you are just what's up here? Well, I'll say like the goofiest one for me, I mean, came this, this past Sunday, I, I had, I was writing the game recap. So, you know, I was intently watching, even though I usually intently watch anyway, sometimes I, you know, Graves knows I put the headphones on and go lay in the pool, but for the most part, I'm usually, you know, I'm watching the game. The goofiest thing I saw was that you let Crow hit with the bases loaded and two outs, which, you know, okay. Crow's actually not that bad of a hitter. His average is at the time was even higher than some of the guys that were on the bench. I'm guessing. Right. But the thing that got me the most was even before he started to struggle with that first batter, <laughs> you had Bednar up yeah. in the bullpen, which this is something that we've talked about a lot of times, Gary, is that, you know, you're a building through the bullpen guy. Me and you, this is one of the things that we argue about is I said, you can't build a competitor through the bullpen, but what it comes down to is I, I think that in some ways he has an idea in his mind of when he's going to use those bullpen pieces. And he almost like can't get out of his own way 
Like he has it set up in like like he did last year with the lineups. It's almost spring training usage. Yeah, it's it's like with the, the, the lineups last year where him and Kelly would sit there and they would have the lineups set for the next two weeks. Yep. No matter what, who was doing well, who was doing poorly, that the bullpen usage is almost set up that way. But then, like I said, he makes those decisions right there. It's like, well, then if you really want to bring Bednar in in the sixth, Pinch hit. What? Then pinch hit. <laughs> but like, even more I, but, dumbfounding. But I, but I understand the options aren't that great. But if that's like your ultimate thing, you would hope that the guy would at least do somewhat better than, than Crow at, at the plate. I mean, so that's even, more that's even more really dumbfounding than the decision itself is the comments afterwards because that they talk to him after, and of course he gets asked about it. And Graves, I'll go to you on this, but they say to him, "Hey, Derek," or Let's see. The media likes to go, "Hey, Sheltie," right? So, oh God! Hey, Sheltie. Um, I wanted to ask you what Even happened with uh, respect coaches. Yeah, <laughs> what happened with uh, with with leaving uh, Will Crow in there to hit, and then pulling him after he faced one batter? I, I I just don't get it. And instead of going, yeah, you know, I just got second thoughts when I watched him pitch to that first guy. It just was not good. And I could get behind that because mm-hmm. I think I even called it out on Twitter. Like that was a bad at bat. You can tell he's missing his spots. Why is he shaking off stallings? Something's wrong with him, right? He doesn't yeah. seem to have it. Tell me that. Tell me that after the game. Don't give me some convoluted like, yeah, you know, we wanted to let him go ahead and get into the next inning one batter is not letting him get into the next inning. Right. You know, so you're contradicting yourself and then people are wondering why we're asking questions. I mean, Graves, I think that's, it's a communication problem just as much as an actual action problem. Yeah. I'd like to see a little bit more transparency, you know, we're, we're, we're adults here. We can, we can handle the truth and just, you know, just tell us what's going on. I mean, I think even, after the the Brubaker game, um, you know they they the media asked the same question, and he's like, "Well, we just like the matchups better, you know." <laughs> and, and you know, so he is, you know, okay. Is it? Do you want the, you know, which which is it? Do you want the pitchers to go longer, or do you do you want the the matchups? You know, which which is it? You know, stop uh stop uh switching it up on us, and and uh, it it can be be frustrating. Um, but I, I do agree with Jim. Um, it's still a little too early to, you know, to be seeing all everything all over Twitter about Fire Shelton, and and I I, I think that's just uh, silly at this point. Um, yes. there, there's no need for that. Um, I mean, let's call that what it is. That's insane to say that. It is insane. It's insane. It is. It well, is. Like Go a, on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Graves. Go on. I just wanted to get that out there. That no, I'm, I'm, that's, I'm, that's, I'm, glad, I'm glad you did. I think interjecting that something is insane is always acceptable. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I'll, I'll, never, I, I'll never complain about that. But, uh, you know, to, to me, this team is not good. Um, we don't have the talent. But you should still know – um, which base to throw the ball to. You should know what the situation is. Um, 
And that doesn't mean that there's not going to be two blondes that, that happen. That, that's part of the game. They happen. But you learn from them. And those type of things we is, are what we need to see improve as the season goes on. The fundamentals. Um, and that's really been my focus, you know, since the beginning of the season. I mean, if we're doing the, the crazy stuff we're doing now at the end of the season, I'm, I'm going to be a lot more concerned than I am right now about, about Derek Shelton and, and his job performance. I mean, their defensive um, numbers have them in the top third of the league still. So despite, you know, despite what we're seeing on occasion with these major gaffes, yeah. I mean, they're playing pretty decent defense realistically. They, they are. The problem so, but, I have with Shelton is not about just, oh, I disagree with his decision. It's I don't want to go into 2022 wondering if JT Brubaker can give me five innings. Yeah. I don't yeah, want to go into should, 2022 wondering. Yeah. yeah. Let let him do it. Stop right. being so afraid to let these guys be the players that you expect them to turn into. Never going to answer any questions if you don't ask them first. Right. It's well, funny, Gary. That, go ahead, go Jim. ahead, Jim. No, I was just going to say, it's funny, Gary. You mentioned something. You said, you know, they're almost treating it like it's spring training at times. Um, maybe they are. Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't I don't know how to 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 explain it sometimes other than that is that, you know, we are still getting and I say we the fan base um, at certain times uh, we're, we we want to we want them to win regardless of what stage they're in of this thing. We get very caught up in the results and the wins and losses. Maybe they're maybe they're just not seeing it that way and they are treating it just like it's, it's just a complete, um, I don't want to say a throwaway season from a wins losses perspective total. You, you know, you've got to go out and try to win ball games, but maybe it's just the approach is just different than, you know, what we sit here and think sometimes. That's probably got a, a a deep dose of truth to it, Mm -hmm. but I will say, uh, the only throwaway season is the one that you don't learn from. And I really and truly feel like they're not allowing themselves to learn by not letting these players stretch their legs a little bit, see what they can do. And, and that's what's frustrating to me. You do have people that, that can do certain things better than others, but we're not getting a chance to see that. And it's frustrating for me. It really is because um, I think Brubaker's done nothing but earn trust all season. And in his last three starts, I'm seeing them actually kind of pull back the reins on him, almost like they want to just make sure this stallion understands his place. You get what I mean? I don't like yep. that. <laughs> I want to see the kid go out there and pitch. And, and if you want him to go out there and be a stopper and be a force and be part of this thing next year, let him do it. He, he's far removed from his from his Tommy John surgery now. It's time, you know. I mean, Craig. Well, what, for me though, Gary, I, what's been going through my head is the whole time these guys are talking is I don't I don't know if anybody ever did read this, but it was uh, Brian Price was uh, a pretty big pitching coach for the uh, for the Phillies. We may remember him as uh, head coach for the Cincinnati Reds basically stepping away um, from baseball because of possibly not knowing who's pulling the strings. 
So I, I don't want to put on my, my tinfoil hat too much with conspiracy theories and stuff, but is, is Shelton like possibly just the, like the puppet and he's doesn't, it, somebody else is telling him to pull it and he's, you know, he's making those decisions based on, you know, what another person's idea for how many pitches, how they want to keep guys yeah. in how that's going. So I don't want to be too conspiracy theorist with that, but when you get a guy who's been in a game for that long, that just basically steps away from his job and steps away from millions of dollars is what he was making as the pitching coach for the Phillies. And just basically said, I'm, I'm too old to fight this with, you know, too many people from front offices controlling yeah. or trying to control, you know, the way that we're coaching. We heard that so, same kind of thing about Ray Sarich. So. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's where I, like I said, I, it's just something that was like in my head and I, I read that article um, like a few days ago. So it just kind of stuck in there, but I, I do agree with, I do agree with Jim and I do agree with Graves is that I don't think that there's enough of a track record. I don't think there's enough of I, I, in competitive baseball games where they're making these decisions we're not the my second favorite team. Everybody knows my second favorite team is the Chicago White Sox. And when they had a coach who, when they were in competitive games, actually in the playoffs and was making completely asinine decisions, they made another asinine decision and hired Tony La Russa, but <laughs> they, you know, got rid of the guy. So that's where the thing is tough right now is that, I mean, Shelton's making these decisions in games that, I mean, unfortunately, like I want to win every single game, but they don't matter just yet. I want to see him with a competitive team and and you're choosing, you know, to pinch hit this guy versus this guy or bringing in, you know, this person from the bullpen. I think a lot of the decisions right now are just kind of like laid out is like, okay, this guy's probably going to go five innings. So we need to get this, you know, these three bullpen guys some work this, this time. And, and, you know, uh, I've written about uh, Shelton probably being a starter coach, right? I mean, the reality is you don't you don't run somebody through manure for three years and expect them to smell good when you come out of it. I don't think he's going to come out of it smelling like a rose. And I, I if he gets a shot with a competitive team, I'd kind of be surprised, to be honest with you. But, I mean, that – isn't now to be determined. That's just kind of the way I think it'll go and the way most rebuilding teams do things. They end up having a starter coach. Then they go to a veteran like Tony Larusa, unfortunately, or Dusty Baker to go ahead and shepherd them the rest of the way, right? That's what they do. Or I guess Dusty Baker is now the scandal cleaner. So he'll have to go to, uh, <laughs> he'll have to go to the Yankees and clean up Garrett Cole's PR mess. But Something has to happen, you know, in between there to gain confidence. That, that's all. Um, you're right. He doesn't have the players. That's why I don't go out and criticize that he puts Eric Gonzalez in the six hole, because what are you going to do? I mean, like, I'm sorry. Yeah, it does suck to see him there. It sucks to see Polanco in the cleanup spot. I don't want to see that either. But Colin Moran's hurt. What are you going to do? I don't want to see Jacob Stallings in the cleanup spot either. There he is. I mean, like, you, you don't have players. So I never criticize the lineup. I do think he has a bullpen. I don't think he uses it well. I think that's – I think it's – I'm allowed to say that something's messed up there. That's all. Oh, sure. 
Yeah, I think I think I think it is messed up. I think that's that's very true. But I, you know, I know one thing that that Ben and, and Shelton have both said, you know, from the beginning of the season, you know, is keeping these guys healthy. Are they, you know, that? Uh, and no, are they? Are they? Uh, I've lost my word. But are they, you know are are they so concerned with uh, you know? player X getting, getting injured and, and, and that they're just, they're just not letting them go deep in starts, you know? Um, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, that's, that's certainly a possibility, but when you start and stop pitchers, what happens to them? And, and here we are, we're, we're constantly going around shutting them down for yep. four or five days. Right. Growth. Yep. Yeah. And I, I could tell you right now uh, with all the sticky stuff, going around right now if i'm Derek shelton i'm scared to death to put kyle crick in a baseball game because i think he'll kill somebody and i'm not kidding <laughs> he already didn't know where that slider was going right. so i mean like if i'm a left-handed batter i'm not sure i'm stepping in i mean to be honest with you <laughs> so i'm not surprised that we've barely seen him play since since all this went down i mean we we probably shouldn't discount that that some something as unsavory as that has something to do with his pitch usage and who who is allowed to be in there and who isn't right why now. couldn't they why couldn't they have just done this after the trade deadline let's let's not get too serious too yeah. quick here or let's in 2015 just, we when we had garrett cole <laughs> right right <laughs> <laughs> but no i mean it it's just a mess and, and like i don't want to get into like talking about whether Derek Shelton should be the coach or not long-term. I think, I think they get into it genuinely with Ben Charrington thinking he has an opportunity to be the coach and Derek Shelton thinking he has an opportunity to be the coach. I just don't know at what point we, we finally decide, okay, I bought you the set of craftsman tools. Why haven't you built the house yet? That's at what point do you say that's enough? Is it once you have O'Neill Cruz and Travis Swaggerty and, you know, three other players that you kind of feel good about and half a starting lineup? Or is it two years from now we're, we're still complaining that we only have four or five guys worth of crap in the lineup and so that's still not his fault? And, oh, the starter got hurt. Oh, it's still not his fault. At what point is it his fault? You know what I mean? At what point is he not doing the ultimate job of developing – the talent that gets here. Yeah, it's funny because you look at even even uh, staying with the Pirates and coaches that they are managers that they've cycled through. Um, <clears throat> I guess if if the rebuild fails, maybe we never know. Um, yeah, you look at the Lloyd McClendon situation with the Pirates. Um, He's, he's to me is another example of uh, by the time that was done, that was tough to, to wash the, the stink off of uh, the losing off of him. And I mean, yeah, he, he, he had plenty of opportunities still coaching, but that was it as far as, you know, being a manager and, you know, that could very well happen with Shelton. God, I hope it doesn't because that means this whole thing isn't going to work. But um, 
you know, uh, maybe we don't, maybe we just don't know. I don't, I tend to agree with you, Gary, that I, I don't see him being the uh, next manager that uh, we are watching uh, make all the moves for the team when they're competitive. That I just, cause we're still a couple years away. I think his biggest test really is going to be what happens this off season. Because if this offense stays like this and the only players that have done anything are the guys that are supposed to, absolutely nobody else has evolved. You haven't turned Kevin Newman into anything. You haven't turned Cole Tucker into anything. You haven't gotten anything out of all these high draft picks, Will Craig included. At what point do you go, hey, maybe it's the hitting coach. You know, you haven't turned Mitch Keller into anything. Hey, I'm sorry. Everybody really respects and, and loves Oscar Marin's trip here, right? But now you're here. What are you doing? What's happened? The only player I see getting better is JT Brubaker. Yeah, especially since a lot of the players that were that were vying for Eckstein to keep his job are either number one, not here, might not be here, and – because those guys, that was Josh Bell, that was Kevin Newman, that was Brian Reynolds, and, yep. and Brian Reynolds is the only one that's you know still performing at that level. So I mean, and maybe Frazier, but who knows if Frazier will be here? So you have a bunch of guys that have fought for this guy's job that maybe might not be here anymore, and right. some of them aren't performing anymore. And it's like Grave says all the time: the composite competition's not over. You say it just about every time you're on here, right? That's right. So, okay. Well, the training should never be over either. So at some point I do want to see some improvement at the major league level. I do. I'm not seeing it. And you can say that it's all about those players being bad, but Eric Gonzalez has a hard hit rate. That's in the top of the league, right? Nobody has ever found any way to unlock that hard hit rate and have him actually get base hits. That's what a hitting coach is supposed to do. They're supposed to take your skill set, accentuate it, teach you how to exploit it. They haven't been able to do it. Kevin Newman makes contact like crazy. It's the wrong kind of contact. In the spring, they had him doing the right thing. We get to the major leagues, we're here. All of a sudden, reverts right back to what he was doing last year. Nobody's done anything about it. Same exact swing. Yeah, I mean Newman, Gonzalez. You're looking at, they're they're guys that are not only struggling. I mean they are bottoming out across the board, in almost every category offensively, statistically wise. So you know it's one thing to struggle, it's it's quite another to be slugging 280, mm-hmm. <laughs> like Kevin Newman is, uh, or you know give or take. I mean, look, he doesn't. He doesn't have to have the season he had in um, was that 2019, right? Yep. God, I'm I'm getting sold. I'm forgetting years that have just passed. But uh, he doesn't have to have that kind of season. But uh, w- what is going on now? And claiming Brian Reynolds as a as a as a victory, or uh, JT Brubaker as a victory. I mean, these guys are talented chances are Brian Reynolds was going to figure it out one way or the other. Cause you know exactly. why? Cause he's, he's a hitter. So yeah. it's the other guys that you're looking for some type of improvement in the areas you talked about Gary, which is, you know, what they struggle at and trying to get them to accentuate their positives. 
and they're going the opposite way. Yeah. So that to me is the concern. So at some point, I guess what I want to see is, okay, if you want to be the manager, you want to show yourself, okay, show me the gumption you, you have to make changes because your assistants aren't getting the job done. And, and if you go through this entire season and I can legitimately look on and count on one hand, the number of people that you conceivably could have helped get better, that's not good enough. I'm sorry. That's not, and you can't just tell me that it's, that it's not having any talent. Some of these guys were number one picks. And while those don't all pan out, you can usually get them to hit a little, you know. <laughs> and I'm just yeah. not seeing it. But guys, Hey, we got to wrap this up because I got to go pack and my wife's going to get mad at me if I don't. So <laughs> Enjoy yourself, up. man. Let me, oh, I will. I will. It's going to be awesome. But let me uh, go around the room here and give you all an opportunity to plug yourselves a little bit. And Craig, I'll start with you, my illustrious partner. Uh, yeah. I write with Gary over at inside the box Also have the weekly pirates fan podcast box in the basement and I tweet uh, from at Bucks Basement on Twitter, and I've gotten a lot nicer on Twitter, so you guys can actually interact with me now. He's gotten a lot nicer on Twitter, so I don't have to defend him. That's really awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Graves, your turn. Um, besides uh, your other podcast that you were on last week, how can people get a hold of you? All right. Well, I am Voice from the Graves, and you can find me at KG underscore 55 VFTG. I'd love to talk to you. Give me a follow and let's go Bucks. All right. Mr. Stam, how are you, sir? Oh man, I'm, I'm doing good. And listen, I'm uh, Gary as Gary once called me the Twitter monster. Uh, that is definitely something that I've adopted at this point. So I am all Pittsburgh all the time. Pirates, Steelers, Penguins, Pit, you can find me at for the city underscore 412 or at Jim Stam 22. Give me a follow. I will follow back and uh, let's keep the politics out of it. And um, I'll be checking everyone for spider attack right after the podcast here to make sure everyone was street legal. <laughs> spider attack might be responsible for Bob Smizek's old takes. They stuck to him. Let's... <laughs> wow wow shots fired wow um, so i and honestly it just came off the top of my head so i really probably am ready to check out but as always i'm your host gary morgan you can check me out on twitter at gary mo 2007 i write for inside the bucks basement and always here on dk pittsburgh sports podcasting network you can check out any of the fan forum shows with all kinds of creative people every single week Thanks a lot, everybody, for joining us. Today.